At MasterCard, we believe that women-owned small businesses are uniquely inspiring. They're pillars of the community and have a measurable impact on the people within them. It's their secret sauce. We are deeply committed to helping address the daily challenges of all Canadian small businesses by putting our technology, cybersecurity solutions, digital resources, and partnerships to work for you every day. Discover them today at mastercard.ca forward slash small business. MasterCard, start something priceless. At Scotiabank, we know how important thriving businesses are for the strength of our economy. Our team of experienced advisors across the country can provide you with tailored advice, leading products, and valuable resources to help achieve all your financial goals. We're here for every future. Let's get started today. Visit us at scotiabank.com slash smallbusiness. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, where we talk to Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. I'm your host, Rick Spence, and as a business journalist, editor, and entrepreneur, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, successful, and scalable. Join me every Tuesday to hear news stories of Canadian entrepreneurs and learn about the moments that mattered most on their journeys. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada. Don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. Three, two, one. Entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we're excited to speak with Darren Anderson in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Darren has been a business consultant and marketing advisor for more than 20 years, working with major corporations and local business owners. Anderson Marketing Group helps grow small and medium-sized businesses through real hands-on marketing services that are designed to work and help clients grow. Darren has also sat on various boards and committees working with local charities and charitable events. In 2018, Darren founded the Love My Mind nonprofit initiative in memory of his brother, Mark Anderson, who struggled with depression compounded by an alcohol addiction, which ultimately led to Mark taking his life. During his grieving period, Darren recognized a desperate need for support surrounding mental health, addiction, and suicide. The vision of Love My Mind is to facilitate awareness and support of these issues and to fuel more open conversations around the stigmas of mental health through storytelling and listening. Love My Mind raises funds to promote and spread awareness for mental health and fund smaller projects related to suicide prevention, addiction, and related illnesses. This is accomplished through conversations, speaking events, other types of events, and the sale of Love My Mind apparel. Darren, welcome to the show. Thank you, sir. It's uh, it's great to be here and have some conversations regarding mental health. So I'm excited to uh, to talk to you today. Fabulous. Thank you. Um, this is a, an audience of impatient entrepreneurs. They want to know what's in it for them if they listen to this podcast. So I'm wondering what's the top piece of advice that you hope your fellow entrepreneurs will take away from our conversation? Well, that's a great question. And and. It's ironic that we're having this today because I've been having more conversations with my clients and colleagues and um, other marketers regarding um, mental health and small business owners and entrepreneurs and the effects that it could ha have on us negatively and what we can do positively to not only maintain our mental health, uh, but enhance it through the highs and lows of, of being a business owner. 
Wow. That, I mean, that's an area that seems to me is sort of off limits for a lot of Canadian entrepreneurs. They don't want to go there, but you're finding these conversations are happening more naturally now? Yeah, I think so. Like being in the marketing industry, Rick, for uh, 20 plus years, um, we never used to have these conversations. I never used to have these conversations. And with myself and my family in 2018, when I lost my brother, Mark, uh, unfortunately to suicide and addiction, um, being able to process that and understand that uh, was always a difficult piece to moving forward for myself and my family. But my brother was also an entrepreneur. And after looking at it years later, and it's been, it's been five years, actually, last week it was five years, um, I realized that uh, Mark had a lot of pressures as a business owner to not only deal with his mental health issues, but deal with his business issues. And he never, um, he never really took that on. He would back burner the issues instead of dealing with them head on. And I think that so many business owners are always working in their business as they should, but not allowing themselves to step back and take a look and work on their business and at the same time work on their personal mental health. So basically stepping outside the bubble and really taking a look at what's going on, not only with your business, but with your life. And that's a conversation that is happening more and more. And do you think that that, that that sounds like a healthy thing to me, that people are able to talk about this and start to knit those different parts of their selves together? Is that what you found? Yeah, like I think people are becoming more accountable. And that's a big word. Uh, that's a topic that we've discussed more and more, that they're taking that accountability for their mental health. They're becoming more active. They're having these necessary conversations they're reaching out for help on a personal and professional level. They're bringing in experts to help them with their business and with their mental health. So for the most part, I see people really taking some great steps forward. Now, on the flip side, I still see some people that are really staying and living in denial when it comes to mental health and using those words Rick, like, I'm fine, I got this, we'll be good, and, and, and so forth. And they're not. And the first step, the biggest strength here is the strength of people to reach out. That's the strength. And once you take that first step forward, then the accountability automatically comes into play because you're taking, you're taking that step forward for the betterment of you and your business. Right. For someone that doesn't have the benefit of living in Saskatoon, who, who do you think they would reach out to? Um, you know, in, in my experience, a lot of people don't know who to talk to. Maybe it's not something of, of, that they want to immediately turn to a friend for, and their business contacts are all as frazzled as they are. So who do you reach out to? 
Yeah, they uh, and you know what? That's a that's a great question because what I've found over the past five years is that mental health isn't that entity that you can just search. Similar to the Cancer Society, Heart and Stroke, Alzheimer's, um, and you can get directed to that exact person you need to talk to. Right. Um, mental health is a, a very generalistic search term when you're talking about. The online aspect and and finding those supports and what's happening here in our communities is that they're finding people that are reaching out online are finding the crisis centers and the crisis centers in our communities are inundated uh they're 24 7 these people are are superheroes to me because they're constantly on the phones and uh online with people looking for support so that's not necessarily the the initial contact that you want to make. Right. So on the marketing side, which is my business, we're looking at ways to help people find that support uh, much more streamlined and easily. Now, with the reaching out and finding that immediate support, like Love My Mind. Um, we obviously use our marketing with our social media and our SEO so people can find us easily. So what we can do is then put those people reaching out in front of some of our professional partners that we've aligned ourselves with. And so they can have that conversation um, and discovery about what's going on in their lives without having to be on a waiting list. And that's the other big factor is that when these people do reach out and ha have that strength to reach out, they're being put on hold, so to speak, instead of putting being put in front of someone immediately so they can address the issues at hand. And quite honestly, that's why we're losing people because they're not getting the help that they need immediately. And I have stories to validate that comment, unfortunately, is that they get put on a waiting list and during that wait time, Rick, we are, and whether it's a 40-something or a teenager, we have stories that have been, have been presented to us that we've lost these people to suicide. Wow. So it's a dire situation, um, but it's getting better. Uh, I'm, I'm very impressed by your, 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 your messaging. I love a phrase that I saw on the love of my mind website uh, that that it, its goal if you will is so we may raise each other up and step out of the darkness together and you know i just find that really powerful messaging so tell me a little bit about your marketing career at anderson marketing group how you got into it and tell us a little bit about some of your clients my career started uh back in the 90s actually when i was actually uh, I was in university and I was actually working at one of our local um, university pubs for extra money, like most students would. And um, I was originally a golf pro. And when I got my, my PGA ticket, I decided that I needed more of a business element in my life um, to take that step in golf and not necessarily golf, but in business in general. So I decided to go back to school and while I was working on my, on my BCom, um, 
one of our relationships through the universe, through the university um, pub that we, or um, yeah, I guess it was a pub. Um, they uh, did a lot of business through us and so forth. And we just, we just developed a relationship and he was actually a chief from one of our local uh, first nations reserves. And they, this man had a, such a vision for his community but he needed some help. So he reached out. He liked our relationship and therefore um, the rest was history. I went out on my first, I guess my project while I was actually still in university and I helped him develop and grow his community, working with his people. We built a sports center together. We, we built a gas bar. We built a golf course, which is a nationally ranked golf course, the Dakota dunes. Um, and to this day, we still consulted. They just finished building a hotel out there. So they've actually, they're turning this wonderful piece of land and community into uh, into a corporate retreat, so to speak. And it went basically from just a smaller community to now being on the map nationally. And 20 years later, I still have a personal relationship with Chief Darcy Bear and also I've still continued to do some work for them. What a great story. And, and it reminds us that marketing isn't just about selling stuff. It's about creating communities and getting stuff done. So that's yeah. a great story. Yeah, the relationship, building the relationships in in any capacity of business, I found if if I can give advice to any younger entrepreneur or, or marketer is you have, whether you have a small network or a large network, you have to use that network and you have to build that relationship and you have to build that trust because really it doesn't come down to what you're selling. It comes down to you. Right. I, I had some experience early in my career um, in, in Edmonton and Calgary, and I was amazed at how quickly I got, to, and I, I'm a Toronto boy born and bred, right? And But I, I found amazing how much easier it was to to meet people and to get to know all kinds of people in what were much smaller cities than they were half a million, not a million people as they are now. Um, but uh, that, uh, do you think that being in a, in, in a city the size of Saskatoon, it was, is that a flaw or is, is, is that a feature uh, in building a business? Oh, I definitely think it's, it's a feature. Um, and we have so many rural communities that surround Saskatoon, which we have a reach uh for us as well so we have i have clients in small towns from yoga studios to uh car dealerships um to uh golf courses and 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 then i have um the same amount of clients in our cities so i i definitely think it's an advantage to live in a smaller center because Ultimately, it's it's. I think it's an easier reach. I don't think it's less competition on my side. And again, per capita, I think it all balances out. But I think it's just easier um, to traditionally connect with these people, these prospects that turn into clients, than it would be amongst the masses. So definitely an advantage. And tell me one more success story, a client success story that you've got, uh, someone you've been able to help meet some goals over time. Um, 
yeah, working with Chief Bear was definitely one because that that was such uh, uh, such a sustained project. Um, I did work with a couple of local mining companies um, that had properties abroad, like internationally, in the diamond and and, and the gold sectors. Um, my job was to come in and, and enhance their marketing and, and work with their uh, investor relations and. That was a that was a different beast for me because I actually went back to school and took a an introduction uh, to geology course. But uh, again, it was all about wow. building relationships and sustaining them and being able to tell the story, conveying the story. And that was pre two thousand eight, before um, everything went sideways. So uh, it was all about relationships, and you're you are approaching these investors for millions of dollars to carry through your exploration plans and and take your uh, your projects to the next level so in the five six years i was working on those projects we were basically i think we raised close to a uh, hundred million dollars in capital to to help further these projects Wow. Um, I've heard of client service, but I've never heard of anyone going back to school and taking a course in order to serve their clients. I had, honestly, yeah. I'm amazed by that. That's a great story. I had no, I had no, I, I, because you have to talk about the geology part and I'm like, I have no clue what, what uh, went on when it came to geology. So yeah, I basically had to go back to school. So you said, hang on, give me four months. (laughs) Well, I still work. Geology 101. Yeah. I was still working and going to school. So every week you got stronger and stronger. Hey, that's not copper. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. And the people that I, the, I guess the corporation that I worked for, which was, which was, um, family owned, um, they paid for my schooling. So it was, uh, they were, they, they were great people to work for again, uh, still carried through that personal relationship, even after the projects, uh, reached their, their uh, optimal levels. Fabulous. And if you could give any one piece of advice to entrepreneurs and business owners in Saskatoon regarding marketing, something that's driving you crazy right now, what would, <laughs> what would that piece of advice be? Well, the one, and that's a, that's a great question. I like your questions because they're, they're, they, they hit home is, I guess my biggest issue with the turn of marketing and where it's gone is it's less about the education that you went to the university for. And so when I say education, it seems like the strategic planning, the conceptual design, the vision, the structure, the, um, the case studies, the pre-feasibility studies have kind of, again, based on the projects and the campaigns that you're working on, it just doesn't seem as relevant. So um, nowadays with the digital world, I'm finding that basically anyone can learn about digital marketing and open up their own digital marketing company or agency. And that's great because it's opening a lot of doors for people. But the one thing I see lacking is that strategic and that management aspect. 
I see I see less of the hands-on and the and the daily uh, conversations and communication from from the marketing company to the client, and that um, I think that's the advantage that we've carried on and. and um, it's helped our business grow is that we still have that one-on-one relationship and where we can sit down with our clients and talk about growth and strategy and execution and implementation. So um, it's worked well for us, but also there's, it's just a very, it's a little more wide open than it used to be. I'm, I'm amazed by the, the new opportunities that are out there. And, you know, the fact that all kinds of business owners are making unique discoveries I'm not just talking about influencers in the under 20 ground. You know, it's it's a golden age of marketing for people who give it a little bit of uh, attention and thought. So it's it's an interesting time. I mean, on on the other hand, you can also waste a lot of time and stumble through it. (laughs) But but I love how wide open it is. It's sort of the wild west. Excuse me. It's sort of the wild west all over again. But let's go back to uh, 2018. You 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 took on a new journey born out of an important life event. Tell me about your brother, Mark, and, 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 and uh, the problems that he suffered. Yeah. And then, so that was again, five years ago and, and leading uh, up to that day, um, Mark was always, well, he definitely was, he was a guy you loved. He was like a father figure to most, including myself being a big brother, but he, always wanted to help. And it was just, he was this guy that you gravitated to and you loved and that, but he also behind the scenes was fighting some, I remember him calling it some demons and that. So he, um, Mark was always a a drinker. We didn't think it was an issue, but when in 2015, we lost our father to Alzheimer's um, when he had ultimately a stroke and they combated each other. And that was a big turning point, obviously, for our entire family, more so Mark, because him and dad were very close. And he became, he immediately started to spiral. And I saw it more so in his business, because we actually did a lot of business together, because he was in the promotional apparel field for 35 years. Uh-huh. And it was he had a very successful uh, business. And Rough Rider merch? No, didn't go down that. He was like he would he, he would deal with more corporately. So he would per, like put your your brand on uh, Yeti mugs to hoodies to winter jackets to golf apparel, golf balls, and so okay. forth. So, yeah. um, but Mark had some very big clients again, and he was he wasn't he wasn't the best businessman, but he was a very good relationship builder. Um. So that was a key success point for him and his business. So, uh, but I saw that starting to diminish and it was even his clients who were some of my clients would inform me that they've seen a difference. So um, the conversation started to ensue, uh, but we always looked at the uh, alcohol side where we never really dove into the mental health or slash the depression side until the 11th hour. Um, and that's when things, things were dire. But the one thing I remember was as we were trying to get him help when our family, my sister, 
my niece, Mark's daughter, and my mom intervened, um, there weren't a lot of options. And therefore, in my mind, in my in the business side, I'm thinking, what a broken system we live in. We ran into wait times. We ran into, it was like being in a revolving door that was placed in the sound. You just had, you had nowhere to go and you weren't getting, there was no traction. So as we tried to move forward, getting Mark help, which he actually uh, was quite susceptible. Like he, he, he wanted the help. He wasn't in total denial. Um, we just kept hitting these roadblocks. But we also, Mark did a very good job of positioning himself, of getting better. We brought in some support people that we knew personally, and he positioned himself as, as getting healthier, getting on a better path where um, I would have When you say positioned himself, was he trying to fool you or well, was he actually getting it together? To be quite honest, he would go onto social media and tell his network, which was a lot of my network, that he was one month sober, three months sober, four months sober, and that, and on the behind the scenes, I would drop in on him and I would catch him drinking. And he became, he was very emotional about it. And so our relationship took a little bit of a beating because I, again, five years ago was playing more of the tough cop role um, as well as the brother role. And um, that didn't work out too well. But again, we didn't really have a lot of options to turn to. And then um, back in November of 2018, um, he sent a text message to one of my very good friends about family and how everything was great and that. And then hours later, the conversation changed and it was about, he used words that how he was tired, he was sorry, he felt a lack of self-worth, uh, worth. he, um, just felt very inadequate. And my friend took obviously notice of this. And the very next day, my mother went and took him some food and, and she was worried because he wasn't answering the door and she called me. I knew Rick right, right then and there that in my heart, in my mind, something was wrong. So I actually called the police and said, we have a non-responsive person in their house. And they were wonderful. They were there. They brought a social worker to sit with my mom because she's sitting outside his house. She thinks everything's wow. fine. And and then I showed up and the police were there right after. And and once we went through all the protocols, we they went through the back door. His dog came out who knew me and, and you could tell he hasn't been out in a while. And uh, that's when we um, realized that he had taken his own life. And... I remember out of everything that happened in such a whirlwind as that I instantly felt that I had to be, I was the last remaining male in my family and I felt an obligation that I had to be the glue for my family. First and foremost, I had to go out front to tell my mother that her oldest son is gone. And she's out there waiting for both her boys to walk out that front door. That was the worst thing I've ever had to do in my life. 
My God, yeah, that's terrible. And you're the younger son. You're probably used to having someone else play that role. Yeah, I'm. I was. I'm the baby of the family, and and my middle sister, who's still with us, and that, and um, so it's. It was just. It was just uh, a situation. Obviously, that was. It was horrific, and I, then I had to call his daughter. I had to call my sister, and then it was just getting everything. Uh, it was close to Christmas. So we had to get through Christmas. We had to get his estate, uh, in place and so forth. And we had to sell his house, um, which was an interesting task based on how he took his life. Um, so it was just a, a lot of chain of events and, and honestly didn't give myself a chance to process her, to grieve it until I went a couple months later, I went out West to visit a friend and that's honestly when I decide, when I was able to step back and say to myself that I need to do something because I saw so many cracks and gaps in the system. And I think there needs to be a more awareness on the male stigma, but more so being able to, to let men, men know that it's okay to have vulnerable conversations. It's okay to show emotion. It's okay to cry and it's okay to reach out. Um, and that's when I started to build and unveil the, uh, the love my mind, uh, message. Um, and the cool thing about it is that at this time, Kevin O'Leary, our dragon's den shark tank, uh, entrepreneur was coming through Canada, uh, making stops in, in cities across Canada talking about entrepreneurship and politics and everything he was involved with, but he made every stop. There was a beneficiary to the ticket sales for his event. And oddly enough, our company, our marketing company was um, the marketing company that was putting on the event, but also we became the beneficiary through our love my mind. And this is a month in um, where Kevin, decided he wanted to use us to d donate his ticket sales. Um, fortunately wow. for us, it grew much more larger than that because Kevin's best friend, as he told me in a one-on-one -on -one conversation, uh, committed suicide. And he said, this is a, a great message. This is a great thing that you're doing, Darren. And um, two months after the, the event, he sent us a donation, which we thought it would be around $5,000. It was $30,000. Wow. And then we kind of looked back, me and Ashley and my family were like, all right, now what do we do? So, cause we really still didn't know what pressure's on now. <laughs> yeah. So now it's like my business side came in and said, I have to build a, a model around this. Like what are we trying to ultimately achieve besides the awareness play? And I started to grow the Love My Mind brand, the Love My Mind family by bringing in professional mental health people, mental health and wellness from counselors to addiction counselors, to nutritionists, to fitness, to sleep deprivation, meditation, yoga, everything. And I went through our communities um, to build corporate partnerships. And I went into back into our communities to bring in ambassadors like athletes, like 
our very own Emily Clark, who plays for the women's national hockey uh, team, who's won Olympic gold. Uh, she's one of our biggest ambassadors. Uh, NHL hockey players, PGA golfers, uh, Graham Dillette, who's from Weyburn, who no longer plays in the PGA, but he was, so we just, we had, our community just came together. And that's that's the thing is our, our communities, whether it's Saskatoon or Toronto or Calgary or Vancouver, um, when it comes to stuff like this, uh, our communities are wonderful here in Canada. And, and everyone just said, what can I do? Whether it was financially, whether they can donate product, they can both donate time, uh, their services. It was just, it was just wonderful to see where this brand, which was just a family grieving tool has grown over the last five years. And we'd, we've been able to donate back over $300,000 in back into our community to help with, wow. with events and projects, help um, counselors start up their own private practice. Yeah, it's been amazing. Like I look back and it's, it's, it's wonderful what we've created here. That's great. Um, I love to hear that story about Kevin O'Leary. I like to think that entrepreneurs are a positive force in Canada. And uh, um, you hear a lot of stories about Kevin. I've known him for, for 30 years. He's a genuine guy. Um, but you don't often hear the good stories about Kevin. So. Well, he's just positioned <laughs> that one. as the villain on TV. And then you meet him in person. And he's very, like, so intelligent, such a great conversationalist. But just to see his real side. And I watch the shark tank and, and the dragon's den and so forth. And, and he was my favorite, but now to have him as a partner in our, in our foundation was just, is this surreal to be honest with you. And, and just to have that conversation of how he went through loss of his best friend. And he just said, I'm, I'm behind this message that you guys are, are putting forth here and and i need this to work and here's i can help financially and he did and he's and he still is a supporter five years later that's great and it's but it sounds to me like the, that 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 seed capital if you will that he put into love my mind it sounds like that was sort of a challenge to you to say okay how do i honor this how do i ramp up to reflect the magnitude of this donation. It sounded That's, like that was a, a really important uh, to the growth of the organization. That's a great point because, and not, no one's really asked that question or uh, saw that because of that donation. If that donation doesn't come through, um, I'm not gonna say in it because of its significant amount, um, but it definitely, yeah, it, it got my, my wheels running upstairs and saying, wow, I got like, we have $30,000 and plus more money came in that night of the event. So we actually had $45,000 and now it was, it was like, suddenly it's all real, right? Yeah, it's all real. And I'm like, what's what we need to, we need to, to build this yeah. and it's, you know what, it's been such a journey because we get a lot of mums and it's mostly the mums that reach out through our social media, through our website, looking for support. So back to our original conversation, 
Rick, was about where do people, where can they reach out? Like two years ago, and winters are worse than summers. We, we all know that mental health escalates in the winters. We would get three or four people reach out a month. Two years later, we get 10 to 15 that reach out per week to our organization. And um, which means I have to field a lot of initial uh, conversations because I'm the one that they want to talk to because I'm the one that shares the story. I'm the one that has gone through the grief of loss and, and perseverance. And so I have to really watch my own mental health because these stories are very heavy. And even though I can redirect these mothers and people looking for support to the appropriate people and through the appropriate channels, it's still a lot to take in. Um, so I'm very cognizant of that. And my wife is a, is a huge part of um, Love My Mind as well. So she keeps her eye on me and makes sure that I'm in a good place based on um, all the stuff that uh, transpires for on a day-to-day -day basis. Right. Um, but it's also the rewarding part is when that same mother reaches out to us a month later, two months later, three months later, and says, thank you. Wow. And says, well, you saved my daughter's life. Um, it's a lot to take in, but it's just like, to be quite honest with you, the tears, the tears are there. It's, and it's tears of happiness, knowing that because of the loss of my brother and the words that he chose not to use, even though I know he wanted to use them, um, we're making a, a big difference in our community. Tell me about that, the words he chose not to use. After the fact, where I was able, again, to step back and process and, and try and understand why one would take their own life. Um, and realizing that because of the disease of depression and, and anxiety and alcoholism and that decision decisions start to be made for you where it's not a conscious decision it's like it is a darkness and when you can't see that light anymore um you do become tired and you do lose that feeling of self-worth um and it's it's just it's hard it's 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 a day-to-day -day pain that you go through because it's almost like groundhog day it just doesn't change and even with certain supports that are there and you and you do reach out and that and try to and try to get better it is such a tough journey and i understand that now and i also understand that he carried such a strong male stigma that deep down he knew that he needed help but also in the forefront he had to remain strong for his daughter for his little brother for his mother um and he couldn't seem uh or be vulnerable and show weakness and that's been the issue with males for many many years my dad played pro hockey with the Detroit Red Wings in the 50s. He played with Gordie Howe and Priestai and Dovecchio and that. And watching 
like just hearing the stories about how that went and the toughness that needed to occur. Well, that in our upbringing, that spiraled down. Like he wasn't mean to us. He wasn't the greatest father to be completely honest with you, but um, there was a lot of tough love and there wasn't a lot of the word loved used in our family. So the male stigma was, was almost passed down through to us and we lived like men should live. Um, and that was a big factor with Mark um, not feeling or that he could reach out because it would show weakness. Right. As, as soon as you said that line, we lived like men should live. I mean, you know, in the context of some sort of a 50s macho, no, n- n- no flaws, uh, superficiality. I, that just gave me a chill when you said that, because I, I've grown up with that, uh, with that, not, not particularly in my family, but with that type of attitude, uh, I've grown up with that forever. And, and yeah, men aren't anything special. They don't have to be <laughs> to be all Gary Cooper flawlessness, <laughs> and they they can show emotion once in a while. They they can, they can take a joke. They can break down. They can say something's wrong. They can ask for help. It's it's all good. It, Absolutely, it's not the Detroit Red Wings in the <laughs> in in the Detroit Olympia in 1955 anymore. Oh, you know it well. Yeah. The Olympia. Um, yeah, it, it, uh, but you know what, honestly, Rick, it's, it's a blessing. And now that I look at it, um, I know that he was, like I said, he was in that much pain and, and that, and I understand the influence of the disease and the darkness. And, but I also know that his words, cause he always wanted to help people deep down, even with the male stigma, it's like when my friends were had a car broken down in minus 40 Saskatchewan weather in the in the middle of winter, they didn't call me. They called him. And he would come boost you. He'd make sure that you weren't drinking and driving. You could sit in his truck. He would bring co- like he would bring coffee. Like he was that guy. So you knew that he had that heart of gold but again he also had carried the male stigma so um with what we're doing with love my mind i know he looks down and just says like he's he's proud of us he just has a big smile on his face and he's like yep keep doing what you're doing because this is exactly what i want to do to help these people so it's uh it's pretty rewarding yeah. Well, congratulations on all you've accomplished. It's uh, uh, in honor of your brother. It's it's really something. So it, it, just help me understand. We talked a lot about, about various aspects of Love My Mind. Uh, what does it mostly look like? Is it a first response organization? Is it a fundraising organization? Are you front lines, yeah. second line of defense, all of that? It's And that's a good question. It's like, there's nothing like us. We're not a charity. Um We're not, we, in the early stages, I went out and had conversations with mental health professionals from addiction counselors to, like I said, to organizations, the Canadian Mental Health Association, and I built relationships like I do in my business. 
and I said, here's what we're all about. And I'm, I want to eliminate first and foremost, wait times. I want to brand ourselves. So we're accessible to people and people can trust us to share their story and reach out for support, no matter who it is, moms, dads, teenagers, what have you. And when they do reach out, I want to be able to redirect them to you. So basically add one step with no wait time. And so they can start the conversation and get that support they needed. And that was what we achieved. Um, we started off with five and now we're up to over 70. Um, and we have half a dozen, probably now a dozen organizations that have multiple people within their walls. So we were able to achieve uh, step one. Step two is to bring more awareness to mental health. It started with the male stigma and then it just grew to general mental health issues and um, types of mental health. So then what I started to do is with my professional partners, we would start speaking at high schools. We started speaking at their wellness days, elementary schools, We've now made ourselves uh, available to go into small towns and do uh, longer standing workshops. Um, we've are now working on uh, our farming community and mental health. We have a bipolar workshop that uh, a mom who has a bipolar child and has gone through a lot of trials and tribulations with that. Um, so all of our great partnerships formed to put on workshops to help sponsor events because we do get corporate donations. Um, we get a, we get involved with a lot of our youth and activities from dance to hockey to football. Um, we have our own live broadcast called We Connect, which is a sub-brand of, of Love My Mind, which we created through the uh, pandemic to offer support and stories and the ability to ask questions online uh, as it pertained to different topics with different guests. So we run that every Thursday at seven o'clock. We have business owners to ex NHL hockey players to some of our counselors and people that honestly just want to tell their story. And so we have a lot of great um, projects in or platforms in place. People now come to us with ideas for their own projects and campaigns. And so we're kind of more so to ultimately answer your question, we're kind of a, a facilitator. Um, and this is where the business side. So we're the networking agent, so to speak, that can say, hey, you want to do this? I have these people. I have these resources and I have my marketing company. So let's help you achieve your goal when it comes to mental health. So it actually, it's, it's amazing how everything has just like collaborated together based on the need and the want and, and uh, how our community is rising up uh, for mental health and, and the awareness. Right. And, and you, on the business side, you're all about helping your clients grow. Is there anything scalable in, 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 in what the, in, in what Love My Mind does? Is there anything that we could replicate in other cities or is there a national model waiting to be built here? 
Well, we do have uh, a, a Love My Mind chapter in Alberta, a family that lost their father, uh, four sisters that lost lost their father to suicide. Uh, so we started that a couple years ago, and now we have one in Manitoba, similar circumstance, family gone through a tragic uh, situation with a family member being lost. Um, the one thing that we do um, now within our community as well is we created our own uh, apparel line using inspirational words with different designs. So when I say inspirational words, we started with the word gratitude. And this was just before the pandemic. And we put it on hoodies along with our, our social tagline or our website. And then businesses wanted to uh, co-brand with us and saying like, hey, Darren, uh, our accounting firm would like to buy X amount of hoodies, put our brand on it and choose the word uh, together and distribute it to our people in our in our networks and so forth. So we do a lot of collaboration when it comes to co-branding on our existing apparel. And then what we also do is is the corp the corporation or the business that um, approaches us for this, we let them choose where they want the money to go. So if they're if if we're selling these and there's money to be raised, uh, it can go to the YMCA or the YWC or crisis intervention. So our corporate partners, whatever that looks like, have an integral voice into um, how things work from the collaboration and partnership. So that's been a um, an ever-growing aspect of our business is the uh, the co-branding of apparel and raising money and awareness for uh, for the same cause for mental health. Yeah, it's a beautiful story. I love I love it. Uh, some of the other words I noticed on your clothing: connect, breathe, together. Yep. You matter. How much does it take for me to buy the option for ask for help? <laughs> We can make it for I want you. a one year exclusive. That's the beauty. That's the one that's the beauty of it is that it like we can do whatever we can do whatever anyone wants and whatever we they feel or we feel is gonna help people. Um, our wonderful director and friend Tara, she started taking these these words that were on our hoodies and crew necks and t-shirts, and she made started making bracelets. And these bracelets nice. just blew up. It's something that you have on you and with you on a day-to-day -day basis. So when you need that pick-me-up or that inspiration, you just look at whatever word or words um, you've chosen. And it truly makes a difference when people can just get that little, um, that little inspiration or that hope by seeing their word, by feeling their word. And, and we send these bracelets we we honestly we send them all over the world now that's fabulous i mean mental health is obviously a, a a huge problem a very complex condition but little things like these words little things like being kind to each other can make all the difference in the world so uh 
congratulations on all the work you've done to bring a community together around this problem. And uh, we look forward <laughs> to seeing how you continue <laughs> to grow this. And, and hopefully the, it spreads and spreads uh, like a prairie fire and moves across the country. Yeah, I, honestly, it's been, it's been a little overwhelming, it's, but it's been so rewarding. And, and when people reach out and just, again, we're surrounded by so many wonderful people that just want to help and, and to see what we've been able to accomplish in the last five years through the loss of my brother and, and what it means to our family and, and the wonderful people. As a last word, if, 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 uh, if any one of us sees someone who we think needs some help, what's the best one word, one sentence way to intervene? What's the best way to get involved and, and, and help point them in some direction? That's kind of the million dollar question that still exists is, is how do we get people that, and again, a lot of people don't have flags, so we don't really sure if they are struggling, but it goes back to the one word, well, actually two words, but it's connection. Um, if we can continue to connect with people and just have a conversation, and I'm going to give you a great example. We just had our wind-up golf tournament before the snow comes a couple months ago, and it's 16 guys. This is the 18th year, and on Friday night, one of the guys stood up and talked about something that's going on in his life in front of everyone and some of the people he doesn't know. This had an immediate do domino effect through the next two hours of hanging out, having dinner, having drinks. And at the end of the night, six guys stood up when they were ready in maybe other little conversations with four guys here and that. And it wasn't necessarily the full group, but and talked about what's going on in their life. And that brought such joy and literally tears to my eyes that this is what this event, which was a guy's weekend away to to get out and golf and jokes and whatever, has now created an element where men feel safe to have these conversations. And that right there is exactly what it's all about. Wow, that, that's beautiful. Connection is the word of the day. Um, as, as, as we uh, finish off our Mental Health Awareness Month here at Startup Canada, thank you again uh, for sharing your story with us and the importance of connection, the importance of telling the truth, and especially the uncomfortable truths. We've been talking with Darren Anderson of Love My Mind and Anderson Marketing Group in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Where can we find out more information about Love My Mind? Uh, you can head right to lovemymind.ca. Uh, we have all our resources, our recorded broadcasts, all our partners are on there, our corporate partners, upcoming events, projects that we've worked on. It's a wonderful site and it gives you the opportunity to learn more and to reach out. Um, or check out our social media channels at Love My Mind YXE. Um, and you can check out our Instagram and Facebook, and that tells you about upcoming events, new broadcasts, and new things happening in uh, the Love My Mind and mental health world. Fabulous. Well, thank you for being such a great catalyst for mental health in, in your community. And we can only hope it, it's, it keeps spreading across the country. Thank you. 
Thank you. It was a pleasure talking with you today. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Startup Canada podcast. This show is produced by Lauren Hicks and Maddie Stiles, and it's made possible by the support of MasterCard and Scotiabank. Be sure to tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. Until next week, I'm your host, Rick Spence.